Good morning, Living Church. It's week three of our sermon series, Pivot Point, as we've been looking at encounters Jesus had with regular people where their entire life shifted. Over the series, we've been looking at some very familiar pivot locations. The first week, we looked at a teeter-totter at a park. Last week, we went to City Hall and looked at the giant revolving door that's able to move because of the power of a pivot. But if you're like me and you drive a vehicle every single day, you are very familiar with the power of a pivot. Every single vehicle that we drive is driven because there's pivots happening all around it. So this week, I'm at a buddy of mine's shop looking at some incredible cars. And to tell you the truth, I'm a car guy. Well, I'm actually a truck and a Jeep guy. And I understand that all of these vehicles move in the power of a pivot. The way that the engine works is because there is a explosion in the cylinder head that pushes down on the crankshaft that creates a pivot. Then that power goes to the transmission and in the transmission there's gears and there's synchros and it creates a power in the pivot. Then if it's a four-wheel drive vehicle that energy goes through the transfer case into two drive shafts creating power in those pivot places. Then the drive shaft rotates, it's constantly pivoting. Uh, the differential receives the power and it sends the energy to both sides of the axle. There's power in that pivot. The axle shafts spin at a great rate of speed, sending power out to the tires and into the wheels, creating you propelled down the road. The way that you could steer a huge vehicle is with a pivot. There's a little steering wheel in the cab that allows you to turn the entirety of the vehicle. We're surrounded by pivots every single day, but many times we aren't even aware of them. So today I want to tell you a story of a man named Matthew, who when he met Jesus, it pivoted everything in his life. The story that I want to share today is out of Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, and it says this. As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Can I tell you? That's a pivot point. This dude is just at work and Jesus shows up and says, leave your job and follow me. And from that moment, his whole life pivoted. At the beginning of that verse, it says that Jesus went on from there. Jesus had just gotten out of a boat from the Sea of Galilee and he went to someone's house and four friends brought their buddy on a mat who was sick and they cut a hole in the roof and they lowered their friend down to Jesus. That miracle just happened. Jesus walks out next to the sea and he sees Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. In this moment, Jesus is building his team. He's recruiting Matthew to come and be a disciple. Can I tell you that recruiting the team in your life is important? Because the people that you surround yourself with determine the ability of things that you're gonna be able to accomplish. Something pretty incredible to point out here is that this is happening in Matthew chapter nine. This is not right at the beginning of the book. Way back in Matthew chapter four is when Jesus called his other disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Since then, Jesus has preached his greatest sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount. He's healed the sick and raised the dead. He's calmed the storm. Jesus has done incredible things, but just now he's calling Matthew? Why so late in the game? Why so much later is he waiting to call Matthew? Because Jesus was writing for the right moment to provide the pivot that he needed. I think one of the reasons that Jesus waited to call Matthew into ministry is because Matthew is the sketchiest of all the disciples. Think about it. Up to this point, Jesus had called a bunch of fishermen who were some ragtag rough guys 
But scripture tells us that Matthew was a tax collector. Israel is being ruled over by the Roman Empire and Romans would put out bids to people to see who could collect the most taxes from the Israelites to pay the Roman Empire. So when we think the word tax collector, we don't really understand what that is, but Matthew was a mobster. He was a gangster. We get this image of a tax collector as someone just sitting at a table counting quarters, but really Matthew is more like Rocky in Rocky One, wearing the black jacket and the black hat with the gloves and he's breaking people's kneecaps and twisting their thumbs backwards, trying to get some money out of their pocket. Matthew is a guy that's shaking people down for finances. And the way that a tax collector would get paid themselves was by embezzling some of the money that they were collecting. So he would steal more money from the people and line his own pockets with it before he would give it to the Roman Empire. This is kind of like if a IRS agent doubled your taxes, stole a bunch of money for themselves, and then gave all that they made to ISIS, an invading terrorist organization. Can I just tell you, Matthew was not a well-liked guy among the Israelites. Something to point out, in verse one of Matthew chapter nine, scripture tells us that Jesus had just gotten out of his boat by the Sea of Galilee, and that's where Matthew was. Now, this is a very small region where Jesus is ministering and teaching to people. And if you remember, Jesus' other disciples are fishermen who worked out of the Sea of Galilee. And so chances are the people that Matthew was shaking down for money were the very fishermen that were selling their catch on the shore. And so Jesus and the disciples walk up to Matthew, the very mobster who probably stole money out of the pockets of the other disciples. And I can imagine that they would be frustrated and appalled and shocked, except for the fact that they just heard Jesus preach the Sermon on the Mount. They just heard Jesus talk about that it's not by our own righteousness that we're saved, but it's only through Jesus that we're saved. And now in this pivot point moment of Matthew, the disciples are learning what Jesus is really talking about. That it doesn't matter how good or bad you are, it matters if you have a relationship with Jesus. Verse nine says, follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Matthew had probably heard of Jesus. He'd probably heard of the miracles and the amazing things that he had done. And I've got to imagine as an outcast in society that he had an emptiness, that he had a void, that though he may have had all of the wealth, he didn't have any of the relationships. And what I'm learning about Jesus as I read his story is that Jesus always calls unlikely disciples. Jesus calls people to help him in his mission that most people would overlook and not pay attention to and not think have any value, but yet Jesus would go after the people that most people would dismiss. That same idea is echoed by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, which says this, brothers and sisters, think of what you were before you were called. Not many of us were wise by human standards. Not many of us were influential. Not many of us were noble of birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and despised things and things that are not to nullify the things that are, that no one might boast before him. One of the reasons that God loves using unlikely disciples be, is because then it's not about us. It's not about our talent and how good we are. When we were just a mess before we met him, everybody sees the message in the miracle. Come on, somebody. So if you feel like you're not enough, I have good news for you. 
You're the exact kind of person that Jesus is looking for, that he would want to call along to his side to accomplish great things. For me, I was just like Matthew, sitting in my sin, and then one day I encountered Jesus, and he provided a pivot point. The story goes on in Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Where are they? They're at Matthew's house. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Catch this. Matthew just got called to follow Jesus. He left his sin behind. Now he's at his own house and he's invited all of his sketchy friends. He's invited a bunch of mobsters and gangsters. He's invited outcasts. He's invited prostitutes and ladies of the night. He's invited all of these people into his house and he makes them a great feast. Matthew goes to Costco and loads up two carts full of food. He's dropping stacks of money to be able to make a feast for these people so that they can meet Jesus. Can I tell you something? That he left his lifestyle behind, but he brought his friends along. Do you hear that? He left his lifestyle behind, but he brought his friends along. He left the negative choices behind him, but he said, you know what? I'm not gonna walk into this new journey with Jesus alone. Matthew understood that he was the greatest opportunity for his friends to ever meet Jesus. So he threw a party. It wasn't just about him, but it was about what he could offer to the people that he loved. Matthew went from mobster to missionary. He made a major transition, a major pivot point in his life to help reach some other people. I can imagine that this is not a really chilled and relaxed party. It's not a bunch of people sitting around playing Scrabble. This is not a bunch of holy saints sitting around. These are some straight thugs. These are some mobsters and some gangsters coming together to have a party. And where's Jesus? He's right in the middle of them. He's right in the thick of it. He's not engaged in their sin, but he's engaged in his love. He's speaking truth. He's making friends. He's telling stories. He's healing needs. You see, Jesus does not exist in a church. Jesus exists in us. And the question is, will we take him with us as we're engaging with other people who need a pivot point? Matthew chapter 9, verse 11. It says, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? First of all, what are the Pharisees even doing there? Are they peeking in the window? Are they peeking in the door, trying to check out on Jesus and see what he's doing? And they get there and they say, man, what's up with this dude? They ask the disciples, why is Jesus talking with all of these people? He shouldn't even be close to them. Verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus says, notice Jesus answers because he's gonna defend his disciples. He tells them it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It's not healthy people. It's not people that already have a relationship with God that need to be talked to. It's people that are far from God that need someone to reach out and to love them. And he goes on and he says, but go and learn what this means. He says, go back to your Pharisee teachers. Go back to the scribes and ask them what this means. Then he quotes the Old Testament and he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You see, what God wants from us is not perfection. It's not that we would sacrifice just everything in our life to try to be perfect. But what he desires from us is mercy, grace, love, acceptance, understanding people that are a lot different than we are. Then he ends the story with this. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner. The whole reason that Jesus came, the whole reason that Living Church exists is not a country club for Christians, but that we're a place to reach people 
who are far from God. But I think that many times Christians can get caught up in self-quarantine. And I'm not talking physical quarantine, I'm talking spiritual quarantine. And it happened way before COVID ever hit. That we would have this idea that we need to lock ourselves in our little Christian bubble. And when we see someone far from God, we go, ew, get that away from me. Get that sin far from me. I don't want to interact with that person. But here we see Jesus in the thick of the moment to reach some people far from God. The reason that we're party starters here at Living Church is because Jesus was a party goer. Because Jesus positioned himself to reach people who are far from him. He said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And can I tell you, Living Church is here to help meet the needs of people who are far from God. Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner. And so if you're watching this service today, we want you to know that God loves you and he has a plan for you. And here at Living Church, we wanna help you find your pivot. Jesus didn't stop providing pivot points for people in the scripture, but he provides great pivot points for people today. So I'm gonna introduce you to a friend of mine, Travis Cox. He's also a car guy. Check out his pivot. Hey, Living Church, I'm here with my friend, Travis Cox, and I'm super excited for him to be able to share his story. You know, you and your wife, Amanda, have been coming to Living Church for about nine months now, mm -hmm. and uh, you now serve on our safety team, yes, right? Amanda is on our welcome team. Mm -hmm. You guys serve every week. Man, you're a part, your girls are here and a part of the house of Living Kids and Living yeah. Youth. So Travis, tell us uh, the story of how you came to Living Church. So we got up one morning to go to uh, church with some friends and at the last minute they called and canceled on us. And um, we were already dressed, so Mandy put on Facebook, hey, you know, where's everyone going to church at these days? Okay. And our, uh, our friend Justin Caldwell and Sarah Caldwell. Shout out. That's right. <laughs> uh, messaged us and said, hey, we go to Living Church. Why don't you come? You know, it starts at 1030, it was 10 o'clock. We're like, hey, we're dressed ready. Let's jump in the truck and go. That's awesome. And so uh, we came here and that was our first time here and we haven't left since. God's done incredible things right now in your life. And that's kind of the end of the story, but let's talk about the beginning of the story. Where did you come from? Tell us about your growing up years. I know you grew up originally in church, yes, but then kind of went through a different season of life. So kind of tell us about that. Uh, yeah, so when I was younger, um, my mom was very strict. Well, I don't want to say very strict. She loved us, but she was strict. When it was yeah. Sunday and Wednesday, it was church day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, which thankfully, you know, she grew me up that way, but, yeah. Um, it was one of those deals that you didn't miss Sunday, you didn't miss Wednesday, yeah. you were going, it was church day and you're going. And yeah. when I became of age and I was able to make my own uh, decisions, I was like, well, she can't force me to go anymore. Yeah. So, I, you know, I won't go every Sunday. And, yeah. um, you know, skipping a Sunday here and there became into not going anymore at all. Yeah. You know, it became a, a just where I didn't go at all. And uh, within those years, um, you know, just growing up being a you know young kid, partying and you know hanging out and stuff like that um, I just ended up doing some really bad things and, and I ended up <clears throat> for the past 10 years um, I've been in a motorcycle club uh, I was the president of that motorcycle club for six years um, within those 10 years you know we did a bunch of things that, <clears throat> that weren't very good yeah um, you know partying and drinking and it made me do things in my relationship with my wife that I wouldn't that I wasn't taught growing up by my father or mother or, you know, growing up in the church. Right. Um, you know, my dad always treated my mom with love and respect, and I was not doing that in my marriage. Right. Um, I was stepping out on my wife, uh, doing things that, you know, 
just shouldn't have been doing. And, uh, you know, and other things of, of that nature as well, you know, getting into fights and doing things that just, you know, wasn't me or who I was. Right. And, um, you know, about nine months ago, uh, Mandy found out some more details of stuff that I've been doing. And she kind of gave me like, hey, look, this is it. I'm not giving you any more chances. You know, I've already given you 500 chances. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, bless her heart. And, and I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for her because she has such a strong heart and, and, and she never gave up on me. She always yeah. believed in me. Yeah. yeah. And um, so she said, hey, look, something's got to change. And she said, you know, we're going to we're gonna get back into church. And I said, all right, you know, let's do it, you know. Yeah. You're telling me it's either this or you're going to leave. Right. Let's go to church. Yeah. <clears throat> and so um, we came to church, like I was saying earlier. And, uh, you know, at, at first I was I was coming to, to make her happy. Right. Pretty sure. Sure. All right. right. Check um, off the box. We're going to check right. it off. She asked me to come. Here I come. Right. You know, we're doing this. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we came for several months. And then uh, one day you were saying that, and uh, you were saying that life groups are where, where changes happen. Yeah. And um, Mandy had gotten invited to C3. She went to C3. Oh, yeah. I remember that. And yeah. um, she was calling me. And she, Mandy, when we got here, she has that personality where she people gravitate to her. She yeah. does. Yeah. You know, and, and she'd walk in and she's saying hello to all those people. And people are saying hello to me and we're shaking hands. But she's having like conversations. Right. She's, she's getting friends. And, you know, I'm kind of holding the purse in the background. <laughs> and, uh, and so um, she went to C3 and she called me. I was at work and I was on my lunch break. She was telling me all these things that were going on. And I'm getting mad. First of all, because I, mean, I was invited to C32, couldn't get off of work. But I'm getting mad. I'm like, man, she is like skyrocketing. She's taking off and she's connecting and connect. really getting really, really You know, and I can see her her uh, relationship with, with God taking off and you know, just people, and I'm like, man, I'm just I'm getting mad because I feel like I'm being left behind. Yeah. And you know, in even in my head knowing that it's God's time, not my time. But at that point, I, I didn't see that. I was I'm mad because she's right that's usually me people yeah. gravitate to me you know i'm usually the leader and you know she's just yeah. taking off and so um anyways that was on uh, i believe it was a thursday it was the last day of c3 yeah and, uh, and then she drops hey we want to go i want to go to life group and i was like okay fine you know i'll go to life i'm sorry it's friday and um i was like, all right i'll go to life group and i'm mad and i told her on the phone say look when i get off work don't call me i'm just i need a few minutes by myself yeah don't call me Right. So I get off work and I'm driving home and I'm looking at the clock and my phone's not ringing and I'm getting more mad. She's not calling me. <laughs> even though you told even, her even though not I, to call you. I told her do, do not, not call me. And so yeah. she did what you but, asked her to but do. She did, but I'm yeah. getting mad because she always calls me. Right. You know, hey, you're on your way home, are you safe? You know, yeah. but she, she didn't call and I'm getting mad because she's getting ready for life group. And in my head I'm like, well, she's so busy going to get ready to go see her friends right. that she's not even thinking about me. Yeah. Which was stupid. So. <laughs> Um, I get home and you know we got like 45 minutes for life group starts. We go to uh, Kimberly and Jimmy Brown's uh, yeah, life yeah. group. Um, <clears throat> so I get home and I'm getting dressed and you know we get in this big argument. And um, I don't remember word for word, but I do remember my response to what she told me, which is not something that I said. And she said something along the lines like, "I'm going with or without you. I need this." Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, "You know, this is going to make me grow." And for some reason. I popped off with like, well, maybe I'm just in your life to help you get in your relationship with God, and then there's no need for me. Oh, mm. wow. And um, so there's some insecurity kind of brewing. There, there in was. All of that. Very, very much yeah. so. You yeah. know? And, and uh, 
um, you know, she, she broke down into tears and, and it kind of hurt my feelings. I'm like, all right, I'm sorry I said that. I'm going to get dressed. We're still going to Yeah. You know, so <laughs> we get dressed and we go, we get to a uh, life group. <clears throat> we open the door. Of course, she sees all her friends and she, yeah. And she's saying hello and giving hugs. And I'm standing at the door like, I don't know, not one of you people. Right. right. Never you know, been to this house. Mm -mm. Don't know any of these dudes. Right. Right. And so I'm just standing there. And then uh, Sarah and Justin turn the corner and they go to that life group. As well. Yeah. And so Justin came over and said hello. So at least I was like, all right, I got someone to talk to. I know this guy. Yeah. And uh, uh, Kimberly walked up and introduced herself and she's like, hey, would you like something to drink? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. So we turn the corner and Sarah and Amanda are in the corner and they're there chit chatting. And I'm walking up and then all of a sudden Sarah's like, oh man, this is some funky ice cubes, ain't it? I'm like, well, I know y'all were talking about something else. You don't. Funky ice cubes, that's not what you're talking about, you know? <laughs> so, again, I'm getting more mad. Right. So now I'm thinking in my head, I don't want to be here. I'm just going to go out and sit in the truck. She can do this. I'll just wait till it's over. Mm. Right. And uh, for some reason, I, I sat down in one of the chairs, and there was um, Brandy Fernandez and JD King, and, and they were talking. Um, I didn't know them at the time. Right. Um, but so I'm drinking my drink, and I start hearing her say something. Um, she's talking about her um, her uncle and, and some things that he's going through. Yeah. And she says a few things and it catches my attention. So I'm like, man, this is exactly what I'm feeling and wow. dealing with right, right now. Yeah. In this in, moment. In this moment. Yeah. I'm, so I'm drinking wow. my drink and I'm looking this way, but I've got my attention over here because yeah. you know, I'm listening to what they're saying. And they only talk for two or three minutes. And then uh, life group starts. Yeah. And so. Um, they, they do this icebreaker game and they pass out some cards and then you say it an answer or whatever and yeah. I get one that says what's one thing that brought you joy today and I looked at Mandy and I was like I ain't got that yeah. oh, yeah. I'm still mad right, right. yeah I said, I, I I'm not have, joyful I'm mad yeah, I don't have anything she's yeah. like really she whispered she's like you don't have anything like you know Hannah coming up and saying hello daddy when you got home from work yeah. I was like alright you're yeah. right you, know, you got it right. yeah. so it comes to my turn I say you know my answer and then uh, the person behind me um, starts talking about something I can't remember exactly what it was but, and he started talking about peace and uh, when he was done, my wife was like, you know, my grandma just passed away. And if this was eight months ago, I wouldn't have dealt with this the way it did. But I have a lot of peace now knowing that she's, you know, up in heaven. Yeah. yeah. She just brought her this, you know, peace because she doesn't have to, she's more thankful for what she had with her than being right. mourning what she lost. Right. And um, for some reason, and I know I felt it and my wife could see it, but I'm sitting there in my chair and they're talking about it and they start saying the word peace and my whole body just starts shaking. You can, yeah. you can visibly see yeah. it, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to hold it down, like, no, I'm not saying nothing, I'm not saying anything. And I just, I couldn't, I could not hold it in. Yeah. yeah. So I, I threw it down and I said, look, I don't know any of you guys. I said, but I've got something attacking me and I need some prayer and I need it now. Wow. And again, that's not like me. I'm not one that if I don't know you just to start right. conversations like that. Yeah. And um, Jimmy Brown, he's been a big uh, advocate for me in this. You know, his, uh, he was like, look, man, was, I don't know why, but I feel like I need to tell him my testimony. Because, you know, a lot of people here mm -hmm. have already heard my testimony, but I need to say it tonight. And so he, he starts going on and he's talking and I'm listening and I'm like, well, this man is me. Right. Rather than he wears Wranglers and I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Shout out Jimmy Brown. <laughs> Love you, Jimmy. But um, so he's telling me his, his his testimony, and I'm like, man, this is this is exactly what I've done right. in my life and what me and my wife have been through. Wow. And um, 
I think that was um, when my eyes kind of opened. That was probably my my big, hey, look, there's there's other people out here walking this life that have done the same thing that I've done. Right. right? And if they can, if God can forgive him for his mistakes, and I've got the same mistakes, and he can forgive me too. Right. right? You mentioned that. Um, you know, in this COVID season, you actually got laid off from your job, but God's continued to show himself faithful. Yes. Um, so I've been laid off, like you said, about two months and we were doing fine, you know, because we have a savings and everything, but obviously it doesn't take a lot of time, the bills and stuff right, right. to, to drain Right. And so it was becoming the first of the month and we had down to like $1,700 and I was looking at Mandy like, all right, well, that's not even enough to pay the bills other, you know, we gotta buy food and gas. Right. You know, um, I said it's time for me to kick my instincts in. I gotta start hustling. That's that's what I'm about. I'm a fixer. Something's broken. I'm gonna go fix it. Whether it's our relationship or you know, finances, whatever it is, I'm gonna go out and do what I need to do. And I always thought that it was me doing it. Right. Until I started this journey. Now I know that he gave me the tools to do what I. Yeah. You know. That's right. And um, so anyway, so we're out of money, and uh, I look at Mandy and we're praying the night in bed. And I don't usually pray individually, but that night I was like, hey, I want to pray over both of us out loud. And so uh, we were holding hands and I was praying and I was like, look, God, we're going to put our financial situation into our God box. And I said, um, we're going to leave it there. I said, but I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need strength not to go to the God box because that's, I know exactly, I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and I'm gonna walk straight to that box and I'm gonna try to get it out. Right. Now the God box is from a sermon series we did uh, a little while ago and yeah. you shared kind of the, uh, we have the opportunity to place our worries yeah. in God's box and not pick them back up again. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so I tell them, look, you're gonna have to give me the strength. You know, maybe right. if I go towards this box, turn me around, slap my hand, do something, yeah. because I'm gonna go for it, I know I yeah. am. Right. And so, um, we wake up the next day and I start making some phone calls and I'm like, you know, trying to just call some people. Yeah, work needs to be done. Things were kind of laying out. And I, so I called my wife and I'm like, look, man, God's good. It's been one day and, you know, we're not getting rich, but yeah. we have He's this, we have this money coming in. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you didn't, you didn't go and do anything like you normally would have done to bring in some resources. No. That might've cost you some <laughs> other issues. No, 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 no. I did not, you know, which is uh, amazing because that's usually what I would have done. Right. Yeah. You know, I would have fell back on old habits. The very next day, I wake up and we've been waiting. Mandy had missed um, a few payments on her student loans, and so um, back when we're uh, in tax return season, uh, we got a letter in the mail saying, "Hey, we're going to keep your tax return." And so two days after we had this prayer, I walked to the mailbox and I see a text uh, check from the Texas Treasury. And I was like, "Oh, cool! Here's this two, three hundred dollar check. You know, it's just another way. Hey, here's a couple yeah. hundred more yeah. dollars. We're putting this in the account." And so I'm walking back up to the house and, and jokingly, I'm like, God, you know, if you can, I can just open this and this is just some type of massive chip. You know, yeah. That would be so awesome. <laughs> Plain, you know. And so I open the letter and I pull it out and it's our full tax return. They had forgiven her student loans, so they're taken care of and we got our full tax return. Right, wow. And uh, that was just, you know, and I know that if I went and grabbed that back out of the God box, I might have had a couple hundred dollars I could have made, but it would right. not have been this blessing that I got, right. that right. my family got. Yeah. We talk about sometimes when you don't see God's power, you can always trust his plan. Yeah. And that many times God's working something behind the scenes right. that we don't see, but he brings that thing to us right at the moment yeah. that, that we need. Now, Travis, I know that that's kind of the end of the journey, kind of where you are now, but let's talk about the beginning of your story. I know you 
uh, were raised in church. Your mama raised you, kind of going to church every week. Uh, but then some things kind of happened along the way. So tell us about the beginning of your journey. Uh, yes, uh, my mom did raise us in the church, and you know she was. Uh, you went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, wasn't really an option, you know. Right. Right. You got up and you went. That's what you did. And so uh, when I got old enough and was able to make my own decisions, I decided that hey, look, I'm not going to go every Sunday. Every yeah. Wednesday. And that led into me never going. Right. And that led down the path of, um, you know, getting into fights and, and partying and eventually leading to me being a part of a motorcycle club. You know, I was the, I was a go-to guy. Um, if something needed to be done, uh, I did it. Yeah. Didn't matter what it was, you know, um, I was that guy. Yeah. You know, they, they knew they could count on me. Right. You know, I, I, I sweat blood and tears into this club. I would do whatever it took, you know, yeah. you know to prove myself to be somebody. Yeah. Um, which, in return, uh, let down, you know, me stepping out on my wife. And for a long time, you know, my wife wanted out. And um, I told her, look, you know, I'll get out, but I'm going to resent you for it because this is something that I love. Right. Not that I didn't love you, but I was going to resent her because this was my thing. I did not, right. not want to give that right. up. And we started coming to LC. Yeah. And things just started changing. I don't miss it. So what do you think was inside that was kind of driving you to that position and that lifestyle. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a very proud person, and I got a lot of pride, and, and I'm one of those that if I want something, I'm gonna go out and get it. I don't, I don't care what it is. I don't. If I want it, I will figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to be a part of this life. I wanted to be president, and I want. At the time, I thought I wanted to do the things I was doing. So pride and kind of elevating yourself was the thing that drove that. But what I know. One of the greatest things to defeat pride yeah. is humility. Yeah. Being willing to share kind of what God's been doing right. in this is really a great way to break some walls of pride down. Absolutely. Part of my prayer every night is I pray for God to soften my heart and bring down the walls of pride. In my yeah. Life. Yeah. Um, I'm not there yet. I got a lot of work to go, but I, I'm really surprised of the strides that I've ever made so far. Yeah. I've made tremendous steps. Yeah. You know, Travis, that's so good because sometimes. I, I surprise myself right? because I look back at how old Trustin would have handled things and then I'm in new situations. I'm like, oh, look, it's working. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The pivot point that, that I've quit feeding Frankenstein, the right. right. things that I'm shifting really has changed. And you and I were talking a little bit earlier about a situation that you just kind of encountered mm -hmm. and where normally you would have handled it one way, you, you handled it with a lot more peace and grace. Yes, yes. The old Travis would have handled this totally different way. The old Travis probably not would not be sitting here right now telling his testimony. Right. Right. Yeah. I chose to uh, use my words instead of using my fist. Right. Right. Yeah. God was able to be glorified in the situation rather than it kind of to go out of control. But it's because you allowed yourself to kind of walk in humility. I know when you shared your story on Facebook, there were so many of people from your growing up years who were saying things like. There's the Travis we know. There's who, the guy that we knew you were always called to be. How do you feel like God has really shifted your story and made that, as you've made that pivot point moment in your life, what do you think is next for Travis? Uh, you know, I'm not sure what's next for Travis, but I do know that I don't want anything to change. I don't want to lose the feeling that I'm feeling right now. And I, if I can bring, if my story brings one person to change their life, then I feel like that was, my call. 
Yeah. You were influenced by the story of Jimmy. Mm -hmm. And so now you're able to influence others with your story. Correct. And that's what God does. That's the multiplication of being able to share what we're walking through and what God's done in our life. It's incredible. Yes, yes. It's, uh, I think y'all say it all the time. It's, it's constantly moving pieces in the background that you don't know that are being moved. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when you finally moved my piece, I was like, oh my goodness. You know, yeah. This is actually happening. It's yeah. happening to me. You know, I see yeah. it happening to other people. But right. This is my moment. You know, I feel this too. Yeah. Yeah. And the cool thing is now there'll be a dude who walks in right. a life group or a living church right. and feels like he doesn't fit, tatted up, I don't I don't belong here. Right. But then now somebody else will can walk up to him and say, Hey bro, I'm Travis. Yeah. Absolutely. And like that's what the gospel is all about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Travis, thank you so much for sharing with yeah. us your pivot point and you know here at Living Church we believe there's more yeah. and that I'm super excited to see all that God has for you and your family in the years to come. I know that you will plan on getting baptized, mm -hmm. uh, but then we've been rained out. And so here in the next couple weeks, you're gonna get baptized on the property. And I'm super yeah. excited. Yes. I'm super excited for that. You know, this morning we looked at the story of Matthew who after meeting Jesus had a major pivot point. He went from being a tax collector and even an outcast yeah amongst the people to then being pulled in and forgiven and being a leader that we're still learning from right. even today. And I know that God has not stopped providing pivot points even in this moment right now. And so I know that we're doing church a little bit non-traditional and that you're at home in your living room or your kitchen or watching on your phone. But can I tell you that God still wants to meet you and have a pivot point with you? Just how Travis had a pivot point in a life group in someone's home, that God wants to have a pivot point with you in your life. And so no matter what you've done, no matter how far you feel from God, no matter if you grew up in church and you ran away the other direction, no matter your story, God wants to be in a relationship with you. And all you have to do is say, God, forgive me my sin and come into my heart and, and make me new. And he promises to be right there listening. So I just wanna pray a prayer from your heart to God's heart. And if you would pray that prayer, with me this morning, the Bible says that you're gonna be made new. Let us pray. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for caring for us. Lord, even when we're far away, you always stay close. And Lord, just like Travis shared his story, you wanna to continue to do that in people's lives. And Lord, for anyone who's watching, let them know all they have to do is say, God, forgive me my sin, and come into my heart and make me new. God, from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. And I believe my best days are ahead of me because of your love. And Lord, if they pray that simple prayer that the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when just one person comes back into a relationship with you. We love you so much. In your name, amen. Amen. We're so glad that you joined us today. Yeah. And we're so glad that you shared your story with us. You know, yeah. there's so much power in our stories, in yeah. our testimony. And if you have a story of a pivot point moment that God has done in your life where you met with Jesus and yeah. everything changed, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at livingchurch.com or send us a DM on one of our social media platforms because we wanna yeah. know what God is doing in your life. We love you guys. Love y'all. There's more. <laughs>